All right. Well, let's sing a song. Say a prayer. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world Cause quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room. In this very room In this very room So know with me as we come together There is a power for good in the universe and we can use it And as we use it, it uses us And so may we choose that in this moment And be reminded of the truth of our being as we come together today and to understand that, that life is conspiring in every good way for our great good. Life with a capital L. And so may we come together today in the, the support and the nurturing of ourselves and one another. Let us know that the answers that we seek are revealed in a sequential and clear way so that we may choose and live our lives as our dream calls us to live. And so I just give thanks this day for the success of our gathering, the blessing of our, our music, our musicians, our volunteers, our tradition, our teaching. I give thanks for all the wonderful questions this day. And as we move forward, I know everything necessary for each and every one of us to experience by means of our gathering this day and each moment after our gathering is a blessing pressed down and overflowing. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. So today is Q&A Sunday. I, got, I was in the back. I found the golf ball that I, I used last week for consciousness. Remember, if you were here, I, it was on the floor back there. So obviously the floor is out of level back there. It's rolled back there, which is nice. And then uh, I got my golf hat back as someone came in the door too. So I guess I'm supposed to go golfing today at some point in time. That's what I'm going to take from that. And if I set it down somewhere, I won't see it for two weeks, so I brought it with me. All right. So here we are. Questions. So I'm going to go ahead and answer these now. No. Yes. Okay. Some good stuff. Some good questions. Anybody here for the first time? Oh, you are not. Well, welcome. Nice to have you here. First time today. Me too. Anyway, I'm Patrick Cameron. I typically forget to. And Reverend Patrick Cameron, and I'm the, uh, the senior minister here, and it's my my privilege each Sunday that, uh, to be with you. And so once in a while it's nice to ask your, your questions uh, because people do have some really wonderful uh, 
questions to ask, and a lot of times we, we assume things. And so someone has asked here, when someone asks, what, re- what religion do you belong to, what do you say? What do you say? Anybody ever ask you? Don't belong to any religion. Okay. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, that's an interesting question for us because we really don't focus on religion, although we are a group and we're an organization, but we really focus on spirituality. And what I typically tell them, we're, we're a, a spiritual community that, that teaches and supports uh, spirituality and consciousness. And if they want to know the, the nitty-gritty of what it is, I'll say, well, our, our core teaching is uh, religious science, the science of mind that was articulated by Ernest Holmes. But um, I always like to let them know that we are, as Dr. Holmes used to say, we're Christian and more. And so, uh, you know, whatever, whatever answer works for you there. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's up to you. Because really we are, we're, we're a spiritual teaching. I don't think, I don't know if we're a religion, but we would, you know, in the, in the culture we would be considered a new thought religion or a branch of new thought teaching, which many people confuse with new age. And new age is, uh, is not, a, it's just another term, but it's a bit confusing, it's misleading. Because new age typically suggests um, some of the esoteric arts, you know, tarot card reading, um, uh, crystals, those types of things, which we find no more effective or uh, supported than, say, I was raised with a crucifix and a, and a rosary. You know, those are just simple, those are tools, they're spiritual tools, but, but uh, um, anyway, so we are, we're a spiritual community that teaches consciousness and spirituality, which to, to me is much more important than the political party I belong to in terms of my religion. Okay. Do you believe that every experience is attracted by thought, energy, or something, or are some things fate? Well, I think everything that unfolds is, is a result of the sum total of consciousness, and sometimes individually and sometimes collectively. Dr. Holmes talked about, he used the term in 1926, race consciousness, which simply talked about, and I think a better descriptor for that is cultural this guy is so excited. <laughs> Cultural conditioning. And it's really that we are, bor- we are, we are born into um, a planetary and community consciousness. There's a belief system. There's a belief system that we're born into, and many times we're influenced by it. Well, we're, we're influenced by it until we start to realize that there's, there perhaps is a different choice to make. So we find people that <clears throat> you're sitting next to that are quite independent thinkers that have looked and examined their lives and realize that there may be something more to understand, something more to know. And so once we start to wake up to that, as Dr. Holmes said in the Science of Mind textbook, we, we live in the, 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 um, the law of averages. I mean, there's a law of averages. If, we, if I stand up here and flip a coin 100 times, chances are 51 times will be heads and 49 will be tails. It's, that's the law of averages. Once we start to live consciously and realize that, that we are supported, and I think that... The, the, the challenge for us is we forget many times. We feel isolated. We feel like we're disconnected from life. Uh, we feel like we're in this alone. And nothing could be further from the truth. But we, what happens is we, we, um, we, we embody certain beliefs growing up and as we're conditioned, going through school, things like that, that, that make up the sum total of our consciousness. We are the sum totals of consciousness in this moment. You are and I am. As we shift and change and grow and open to a, a new possibility... See, what happens is we, we have the, we, we, as that happens and unfolds for us, most people fall into the concretized cocoon of complacency, which is that we, we, we create a life that's very comfortable. We know where things are. We know where the television remote is. We know where, uh, where certain 
things are in our lives. We know where we go for work. We know who our friends are. We know all these things. And all of a sudden we realize, and we look at those things as our source. And that's the challenge because ultimately, this, you, whatever you call it, is our source. This life force that is seeking expression. And when we open to that, which is paradoxical because we come together and we set intention. I'm going to do my affirmative prayer. I shared last week that I was in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and James Taylor was performing at Tanglewood, and I did an affirmative prayer, so we would go to the, Laura and I would go to this concert and did the affirmative prayer and held the consciousness and moved my feet as well and no ticket to be had and came home and he performed last night in the Rexall Place and I know some people uh, were there because you've told me you saw me down in the front, Laura and I were in the third row so uh, the prayer was answered but it wasn't answered in the way I thought and in the time I thought it was going to be answered and it's a simple little description of that but it's we do our affirmative prayer, we set our intention we, and we realize we co-create, we're in co-creation and the challenge for us is when we outline so it's, I always like to, in my prayer work, say that it's this or something better. It's this or something better. So whatever wants to happen here. So there is a, there is a, a force for good. There's a power for good in the universe. And, it, and I use it, and it can use me. And you make yourself available to that. And so when you start to do your prayer treatment, your affirmative prayer, it's important to stand in the wisdom to know that I'm open and available to receive all of life's riches. And I, my, my idea may not be big enough. It might be too small of an idea. It might be a bigger idea waiting to happen. Most people I know laugh at the term Christian science. Well, they have very good sense of humor, I guess. <laughs> We're not Christian science. So I, and I think that answer that I gave uh, a bit ago helps clear that up. Our, one of our, our core um, pieces, one of our part of our lineage, our family tree, comes from Christian science. The challenge that we had, is, or that was <clears throat> articulated, at least the way I understand it, was that Christian science is, is one path, and that their path is very, it's very straight. There's sort of their family tree goes sort of like a pole. <clears throat> and people came along and realized there was probably more to know and more to understand. But Christian scientists believe very much in affirmative prayer. In fact, it's all they believe in. And where we part ways is they don't support the idea of doctors, healthcare practitioners, any other forms of, of uh, alternative healing. And our position on that is if, if you're having a problem, let's do the affirmative prayer that you're guided to the right awareness, certainly support you in consciousness for the shift and change, but also know that if a doctor is appropriate, that that information becomes clear and becomes obvious so that you can, you can choose wisely. <coughs> so that's where we part ways with Christian science. So if you've been telling people you're a Christian scientist, you're kind of, you've, 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 that's a small piece of the information. There's a couple here on, uh, on dying, which I want to save. There's a couple of them here. I'll get to that in a moment. My problem is, is positive affirmations and my inner critic's tendency to sabot uh, subvert, undercut, and diminish positive affirmations in the name of... Is that religion or realization? Jay, I know you wrote this. Where are you? What is it? Realism. Oh, okay. So what's real as opposed to what your positive affirmations are and so then you move back into that you move back you do you come here you do the prayer you hear this talk and you're all you're lifted and then all of a sudden you go out on Monday and all of a sudden all the things that clamp you down and you know, I'm not picking on Jay he just handed it to me when I was in the back so I know it was his question and <clears throat> if I can't read your handwriting when I ask you anyway <clears throat> it's easier to do that than to answer the wrong question excuse me well um 
Yeah, I mean, here's, here, here's what I know about this. If you, let's say we're going to break out of jail, okay? I mean, how many here have broke? Uh, Kathy Laurie's nodding her head. She's obviously broken out of jail several times. Well, if you've played Monopoly, you've had to break out of jail, you know. Anyway, so you're going to break out of jail. And let's say that our minds are, the, are that jail, okay? That's the box, our minds. And so, you know, three or four of us get together and say, let's, we're going to break out. Great. And then we just all wander around and we don't have a plan. Nobody says that we should do this or this. We all just talk about it all day long. And many times, it's exactly what happens with our teaching is when people come and they go, well, you know, Todd is creative and I'm master of time, space, and dimension and I'm going to do an affirmation and, and then all, everything will get better. And it requires a plan. So getting out of jail requires a plan. And the jail of our own thinking. And so when I used the Maria Nemeth book for two months, I used it because what I love about Maria is she talks about the ontological language. Uh, Joel Goldsmith said, every book that Joel wrote, and Joel wrote about 40 of them, in every book that Joel wrote, somewhere in the first couple of pages you will find that if this house is not built on the Lord, those that built it labor in vain. So in other words, if, if our lives, whatever we're building in our lives, are not, are not grounded in the foundation of, and connection of truth of who and what we are, which is that we are, we are the divine expression of the infinite in form. Then the challenge is it's a wonderful idea. We can, we can all get together and talk about that and celebrate that, but then to apply that so that we can break out of jail, the prison of our own thinking, is another thing. And Maria is just one person on the planet that has the ontological language. And if you work with a coach, coaches typically use a language that says, what qualities are you going to bring to this situation? My intention today is to stop uh, this spin of negativity. What qualities am I going to bring to that? So it requires a spiritual coin. It requires the awareness. And it's a, it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime of ideas and thoughts. And we know that. And that's why it's a challenge for us. That's why it's so frustrating. But I've got news for you. We're all in the same, we're all in this, this thing together. And whenever we're learning a new skill, it's difficult. It's challenging. You know, it's challenging to, if you've ever tried to unlearn a bad golfing habit, it's really hard because the muscle memory is there. And so you can read all the books. You just have to, there's a, there's a at some point in time, there's a surrender. There has to be a, a, a willingness to just simply say, I don't know. I, I know what I'd like to experience. I may not know the language. I may not understand all of it, but something within me does know. I love that, that, what Dr. Holmes came up with. I don't know, but something within me does know. I'll share a personal story with you. When I was, uh, and I've shared bits and pieces of it, but when I was in my mm, late 40s, I know a lot of you think, huh, God can't possibly be in his late 40s. <laughs> when I was in my late 40s, I'll never forget the spot on the road where I was, because, you know, you, you teach this stuff. What do you really want? You go to the workshop. What do you really want? What do you want? What do you want? All that. And finally, it just occurred to me, the thing that I really wanted to experience was unconditional love. Just saw the movie Stardust. Have you seen that movie? It's such a, it's an amazing little whimsical tale. I just laughed and chuckled through the whole thing. Anyway, she talks about, one of the characters talks about love in that and, and unconditional love. And I said, I want to experience unconditional love. And I didn't have a clue what that looked like or felt like. And part of it for me was I didn't know how to extend that. I didn't know what that uh, experience would feel like. And so... I was, on a, I was on my way to the Fillmore Church driving from Simi Valley <clears throat> on a Sunday morning and I realized you know, that was the thing that I wanted to experience. That I'd, Every relationship that I'd been into up until that point had been a barter system. I'll do this for you, you do that for me. Cool. And so I, I uh, made that declaration and within about 
Well, it took about three years. Everything that I knew, my concretized cocoon of complacency, all disassembled itself. See, Joel Goldsmith also said that your first life is doomed to failure. That's why Joel didn't gather in a lot of people. Because who wants to come in here my first life is doomed for failure? <laughs> I'd rather hear there's a power for good in the universe and we can use it. Yeah, that's a good idea. But part of this is understanding is having the wisdom and the care and the nurturing and the patience to work with ourselves gradually and sequentially. So as you say, Jay, you, you leave here and all of a sudden you fall into the, the habits. Whatever it takes to have in your toolbox, and I'll get back to the story, I haven't forgot, get back to the toolbox that allows you to support yourself in the ways that you want to show up in the world, I think is one of the most important things you can do. Tole talks about taking three or four mindful breaths. The Sufi story this morning that I asked Marcia to read. At the end of it, it talks about taking mindful breaths. <clears throat> being present and being aware of what's happening. When we wake up, we wake up to everything. And so it's having the tools in your toolbox. So right now, you're leaving, you may have the toolbox with you, but you're missing the wrench or the screwdriver, you know? It's like the story of the guy that goes into the hardware store and he says, I need a screwdriver. And he's, the guy says, well, would you like a, a straight slaughter of Phillips or a Robertson? He says, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to use it for a hammer anyway. <laughs> so... Anyway, made this declaration, unconditional love. And so in the whole process, everything changed for me. Everything changed for me. And uh, the marriage that I had been in, in relationship I'd been in for years and years and years, ended. And that was a really uh, painful, difficult thing for everybody involved. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I met Laura one day. I was, I, was, I was church surfing one Friday night, and they were having a concert, and I went over to look for a guest speaker because he said he was going to be there and I wanted to talk to this guy make sure he was going to show up. And lo and behold, Laura was there. And she looked at me and I looked at her and she said, uh, I, she said I said, can I call you sometime? And she said, well, my number's in the phone book, of course. And so um, <laughs> as I got to know Laura, uh, I asked her one day, I said, what, you know, because she, she had been on her own for a bit as well and she had the two boys, Max and Davis, and and we, we, we really spent a, a good bit of time at the beginning just getting to know one another and talking. And we would walk together. We would get together. She, I'd say to her, at, at, you know, we went out on a date and nothing really exciting happened. And then I said to her one day, what do you do? Well, there was no bells and whistles going off. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is great. She was very sweet. And she called to thank me. And we went on a lovely evening and had a nice meal and a nice talk and all that. But it wasn't, I thought, okay, well, you know, this isn't going anywhere. And... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, we're talking one day, and she said, you know, she said, the thing that is the most important thing to me in my life is to experience unconditional love. Went, what did you just say? And so, you know, my, I sort of, my ears sort of picked that up, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Anyway, long story short, but it, that was part of that, the energetic of that. And so when she came along, I didn't really understand it at all. I didn't know the vocabulary. There were things happening in me at a very uh, energetic level that were, that, you know, as they always say, the experiences, uh, Greg Lavoie says, any experience with the infinite always requires trembling. And there were times when I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't, I didn't know the, the, the uh, but this is what I'd asked for. I made a declaration, but I didn't know what it looked like. I couldn't outline it. I had no clue, but I knew something within me did understand that. And so as a, as a ministerial friend of mine, uh, we're, we're talking this week and she was telling me about one of her staff ministers going through a, a difficult uh, breakup. And she said, he should call you and you, you could share your story. And I said, well, I'd be happy to. I haven't heard from him yet, and, and that's okay. But 
she said, you know, here's this lovely sprite of a California girl that had a wonderful, you know, home and, and life in California. And she looked and she said, I'll go wherever you want to go. You want to go to, I'm, I'm with you, wherever you want to go. And I thought, my God, is that not unconditional? How many, how many of us would say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm with you, I believe in you, and I'll go wherever you want to go. And, and so, you know, I, I have to tell you that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it, or even probably be here if it weren't for that amazing angel of God's presence that came into my life and helped, because what happened with that is that I finally was av available to it. And I didn't know what it looked like, so I had to surrender the whole thing. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what the best job in the world looks like. I don't know what the wonderful relationship looks like, but I'm willing to experience it, and I'm willing to go through the learning and whatever it takes and putting down my good opinions and my concretized cocoon of complacency to have that experience. And see, there's the challenge for us because many times we think that we, you know, I'm a, I'm a metaphysician, I do my affirmative prayer. All that stuff is good and important. I say do that, do that, do that because what you're doing is you're, you are opening yourself up to receive. If you're doing it well, you're opening yourself up to receive. And as you open, greater possibilities, greater possibilities uh, um, present themselves. I, I've told people that, and I typically tell people when I'm doing affirmative prayer with them, that every affirmative prayer that I have ever set an intention for, especially early on, was far greater than anything that I had put in the prayer when the, when the answer of the revelation finally showed up. And for me, that's just the act of faith. Carl Jung said, I don't have faith. I know. So I know. And I agree with that. I just know. It always works out. Everything, everything is conspiring for a greater good for you and for me. And so it's really about having a, uh, the toolbox and finding small pieces that you, where you know that you spin out in that old, that old way of thinking that call, bring you back. And that's awareness. So what I say to myself many times in my prayer treatment is this, should I forget this declaration? Should I forget today that I'm going to move out into the world with clarity, focus, ease, and grace? Let's use that as an example. I direct this infinite intelligence within me to remind me as quickly as possible. I direct this infinite intelligence within me to remind me as, as soon as possible. And it will. And it will. And this is how we work. There's a question here about fate, about do we believe in fate? I think that everything that unfolds is a, is a direct reflection of consciousness. I don't think there's any accidents. I don't think there's no, any destiny. I don't think there's any fate. The only fate is that it has to, life has to play out. Your life has to play out as a result of your consciousness. The planetary consciousness plays out as it is, as it is today. That's the good news because it can change. You can change. I can change. And there's the challenge. You know, what is there for me to know? What is the learning for me to know? What if everything that has happened to you in your life was important for you to become and grow into and reveal the person that you are destined to be? As I've said many times, what if everything in the universe is conspiring for your greater good? So whatever it is, and despite what it looks like, you could have come no other way. You could have come no other way. So we're all here together in this together as brothers and sisters. James Taylor sang a song last night that was so beautiful. It's one of my favorites. Uh... I can't think of the name. It's a wonderful song about Martin, let us start, the Martin Luther King song. And it's called, um, but it talks about our common bond. Let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King. And that there are ties that join us. We are all connected. We're all brothers and sisters in this. And we're all in this together. And we, all want, we all want the best for ourselves and for our children. 
It's a beautiful song if you've never heard it. And he talks about that our children may live free. I mean, isn't that a wonderful idea? That, you know, what do we want? What do we stand for as a community? You know, we're a community that stands for the best of the world. That we, want, we believe it's our destiny and our right and our privilege and our opportunity to live in freedom. That's what I tell people when they ask me what church I belong to. Because as soon as I define myself as a certain denomination, it, all of a sudden the reflective listing goes on and you can see them sort of spin in that, that uh, way of, you know, that mathematical formula of where to put us. And if you think of the name of the song, yell it out at me here. So life after death, reincarnation, how do we, do natural disasters fit into we create what we think? It doesn't make sense that every person they thought they should die or be seriously hurt. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody thinks they, they, they want to die or they want to be physically hurt. But you know, the reality is, see, see we're, we're, we're far more than these bodies. Let me get very spiritual on you right now. See, God is our source. This infinite intelligence, whatever we call it. See, it doesn't matter. The beauty of that thing is it doesn't matter what we call it. What's important is we call it. It doesn't matter what tradition... Because every tradition works for somebody. If you're Muslim or Christian or Jewish or whatever you may be, a religious scientist, a new thought person, you know, a Wicca, whatever it may be, it works because you bring consciousness to it. You bring agreement to it. And so <clears throat> do any of us want to die? Do any of us want to be seriously hurt? Of course not. But what we know is these bodies are temporary. None of us are going to get out of this life alive. That's a guarantee, you know. As Woody Allen said, you know what, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> but, but so we're here in these, in these, these, spa, these, bod, these human suits. Actually, and I love what Johnny, uh, Reverend Johnny uh, Coleman said one time. She said, you know, you heard the story where we're spiritual beings having a human experience. She said, we're spiritual beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a spiritual experience. And so we are far greater we are so much, we are far greater than these physical bodies. In fact, that wonderful video that Holly Jones did for us a few years back, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called The Miracle It Is You, talks about how our energy gets unleashed and how those that we're connected to, those that we love, are always so close to us, that energy, that consciousness, that awareness. And that has been my experience. Uh, my grandfather died when I was 10. He was the love of my life. He's still the love of my life, and he's still very much with me. His essence, is, his consciousness is very much with me. And he's, I, I just feel like, that, what he stood for, the, the, the life he stood for has influenced me in so many ways. And so, do we believe in life after death? Dr. Holmes said life is an outward and upward spiral, constantly moving outward and upward. And so, what does that look like when we leave? I think it's all based, the teacher Jesus said there are many mansions in the Father's house. And I think what he was referring to was consciousness. I think that if you believe that you're going to burn in hell when you die, that in some way, shape, or form, that may, uh, may influence your experience. I don't know. I don't, we don't teach hell here. We don't teach suffering because all of us have lived in hell enough and all of us have suffered enough, so why would we want to do that eternally? Why don't, we, why don't we connect with a bigger idea and live a life that is, is, that is full and rich and compassionate and, and understanding and wise to the best of our ability today and let's stay out of the gates of hell. So this whole idea of punishment, and if you go back into history and read this description of hell, um, and heaven as geographical locations. What we teach here is that these are, these are awareness is consciousness. These are, these are, these are mindsets of um, experience. They're not a geographical location. But at the time it was written, that's about m what most people could understand. In fact, most people couldn't even read at the time it was written. So it was described to them. 
And so, is it, <clears throat> and so what happens when we leave this body? I don't know specifically. I don't know where we go. But I do believe that life is a continuum. I believe that we, we do spiral outward and upward. I believe that we take with us our consciousness. You know, what personality would we take with us if we're taking the personality with us? I think there's a memory of personality, but what personality? Was it the personality that you were six years ago? Is it the personality you were 10 years ago? Is it the one you're going to be in 20 years? Which one do you take? Pardon me? Or tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. But the point is, what I, what I, and I think the brilliance of Dr. Holmes is that we, it's the consciousness, it's the shift and change in consciousness that influences our lives. And we have to be open and available to that. We, in order for us to work this, and, and once we understand the universe is conspiring in our greater good, and we get a hold of that, and that becomes our unconscious competency, that we simply know that, that life is conspiring in every good way for our fulfillment, for our, because our fulfillment is the infinite's fulfillment. And see, I think one of the powerful things about this, I was thinking about this, is in the back trimming flowers this morning, because we had, when we were gone, we had uh, our 17-year-old in charge of watering plants for two weeks. And we came back, and we... <laughs> We asked them, well, Laura said, what happened? It had gotten very hot when we were gone, so they needed to be watered probably every day and sometimes twice a day. So I get back to trimming. We, they're, they're coming back nicely, you know. Life will, will, but, you know, when you're 17, you got more important, or 18, you got more important things to do than water plants. So we understand that. So we'll give him another job next time we leave town. Or we'll leave in the wintertime. But... <clears throat> for all of us, it's our opportunity. We're, when we come together, what I, the point I was making is trimming flowers, and I realized, you know, why, we, why do we do this each Sunday? You know, every Sunday we come together, and we, not every Sunday, some of you, and the wonderful thing is you can show up anytime. No one's keeping track. You're keeping track. And, and we come together, and we, we have this discussion, and we have this experience with the music. And I really think that there's, there's a power that when we come together. There's a collective consciousness when we come together. And whether you believe that you, you leave here and you spin back into the, the old story, and you may do that, but I think you spin less. And I think collectively we're giving birth to a consciousness here. I think that, that this, the Dalai Lama said this teaching, our tradition, the new thought tradition is the, the religion of the new age or the new millennium. He didn't say new age, he said the new millennium. But we're giving birth to a consciousness and all of us participate in that. And those small little shifts and changes that we make, that we become less angry at things that used to just trigger us. You know, we're tripwired for revenge, that kind of thing. I told you the story last week about the kid that called me the name when I went out in the hallway to, t to tell him to be quiet. And I realized that the blessing in that was that one of the reasons that when he called me the name that I didn't run down the hall and, and grab him because that was my impulse is that I didn't have my room key and I didn't know if Laura would be awake to get me back in. So I had to stand there and I realized, isn't this amazing how the universe conspires? Because now I have to think. I can't just react. But had I went out the door after him, I would have been locked out. And I thought, nah, I don't, I don't want to be in the hallway with you know, six young men that are going <laughs> to give me an attitude adjustment, I guess. So it all worked out perfectly. But, but the point is, is that the, to bring new awareness to those old situations. And as we do that, as we deepen and grow, and as we allow ourselves to be, not only to set our intention, but then to know that something, something wonderful is seeking expression by means of each of us. And what is that? You know, what is that that, that is longing for expression by means of you? And all those things, we think they may be small, they're huge. When we're less angry, when we're more apt to forgive, when those, those, those long-term resentments no longer drive us in the ways that they used to.
And so it's important. It's important for us to realize, yes, we do co-create with the infinite, that it's not linear. We don't, we don't, we don't, natural disasters, someone asked about that. The earth has a life of its own, and there are things happening on the earth. There's tornadoes, there's volcanoes, there's earthquakes, there's things, there's weather patterns. There are severe rainstorms, snowstorms, those things go on. We don't control that. Neil Donald Walt says in conversations with God in, in advanced cultures, they do. Well, maybe they do, I don't know, but I know right now on the planet we don't control that. It plays itself out. There are things so, as I, I love what Stephen Covey says in the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. What is your, your uh, circle of concern and what is your circle of influence? And what I know is, is that I can show up and be the person that I want to be each day. If that affects the weather, eventually, great. But right now I know that I can show up and I can be present with you and I can be compassionate. And I can, I, and I can help if it, that's appropriate. And I can ask for help if that's appropriate. I, those things I can do. When I watch the news or I read the newspaper and I see something that, I, that, that breaks my heart, I can offer prayer because I know that my worry and concern and my judgment of it only adds and fuels that flame. But that's the mindfulness that we can bring to it. And when I catch myself spinning in that to bring myself back and know that that is not how I want to show up on the world, in the world. And so I think those things are important and sometimes we discount those things as not being important. So let's, let's, let's say a prayer, a, a treatment. We call a treatment a treatment because it's as if you go to a, a healthcare practitioner and you receive you receive something of value to help support you into a new idea, into a new experience. And a practitioner can help you because we participate in the one mind. If I can know something for you in my mind, that spiritual prototype is created and it helps support you in having that experience. Not because you need me, but eventually you'll catch up to that. And then maybe your prayer request will be different next time. I have practitioners. I worked with practitioners this morning. We pray before we come out here to do this because it helps lift us in consciousness and set the intention for what we want to experience. So I'm in it with you. I have practitioners, I work as a practitioner, and I have people that I ask for their prayer support. So let's know this together. As we open ourselves and recognize the one life and the one power, the one presence, I know that something powerful and wonderful is unfolding in and through and as each and every one of us. So may the knowing and the, the awareness and the insight and the clarity and the grace and the energy that allows each and every one of us to live this day fully, to be present. If we can live this day fully for five minutes in that state of grace, in that, that, that brilliance that is our divine source, and perhaps tomorrow we can live it for 10 minutes. But let us know that wherever we are, it is right and perfect. We could have come no other way. And so let us move forward with the grace and the honoring and the kindness and the generosity of spirit that allows us to continue to flourish and unfold in ways powerful and wonderful, small and large, whatever it may be. The right and perfect thing continues to unfold for each and every one of us. As our ushers come forward this day, let us know that as we give, we receive. And so let us know that as we give our gifts with joy, that that joy ripples out into the world. Let us know that these gifts given are fuel to allow us to continue to share our teaching, be a presence of powerful influence in Edmonton and in Canada and in the world, that we are a place where God shows up by means of each and every one of us. And so I just give thanks for the generous spirit, for the opportunity to give, for the opportunity to be a, a good steward of all the blessings that continue to pour themselves into our lives. I give thanks and I release these words and together we say, and so it is.